uh, Steve Lukather and Joe Williams wrote a great song, Change the World. Mm -hmm. I, I wrote a song with my, uh, he's a producer engineer. And, uh, and then uh, Linda Perry wrote me a song. You wow. know, the, part of doing these is great because I'm meeting new people. I've never met Linda. I know about her, but uh -huh. I've never met her. And uh, the interesting thing with that, I'll get to Bill Haley next, is that she did sort of a, a trombone vocal solo, you know, Herself. with her voice. And oh, so yeah. we thought, man, we've got to get a trombone to do this. And who'd you call? Trombone Shorty. You and got Trombone in. Shorty, yeah. And we asked him, would you do this for me? He said, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and he put the trombone on and the brass section as well, which really built it up, so it's great. Sure. Welcome to this week's One That Is Fab. I'm Ed Chen. I'm John Stone. So we got Ringo's EP this week. Yes. Change the World. The EP and, and the song, which I think we've talked about before. Ringo also did get out there and do some promotion. Well, what passes for promotion here in 2021? <laughs> right. He did get a, close to a full hour with Rick Rubin, and that was pretty nice. Yeah. Apparently, Paul told Ringo how to deal with Rick. <laughs> so. So says Ringo. Can you hear me okay? Yeah, I'm good, Rick. I was just uh, on the phone to Paul who gave me great advice of how to deal with you. <laughs> what did he say? <laughs> he said you're a wonderful human being. <laughs> <laughs> and then at the very end, it's like, I'm going to FaceTime Paul and tell me you're a pushover. <laughs> <laughs> Please do. He called me today because he knew it. He said, oh, you know, <laughs> you'll want to know about drums and music. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Although Ringo does admit that he has not watched all of 321 yet. Not that he has to or there's any reason he necessarily would have, but that was kind of interesting. Yeah, I'm sure Beatle nostalgia for them is different than Beatle nostalgia for us. <laughs> So, okay, yeah, so the first track is Change the World, which we talked about a couple weeks back when we first heard it. Uh, you like it more than I do. Yeah, yeah, and I've heard it several times over the weeks, and I realized it has kind of a, I don't know if you're familiar with the group Bourgeois Tag. I've heard of them. Yeah, uh, or Kevin Gilbert, perhaps. Okay. There's a, a style to it that reminds me, it's not like it, been ripped off but it's in that genre which is 
different for Ringo, and maybe that's why I like it. It's like it's a different thing for him. It's getting so you never know when things are better left alone. But I don't know I don't mind at all. It's important to me that I don't see you laughing. I'm smart enough to know that I'll have to let you go. But I don't mind at all. It's cool, and I think I actually like it a little bit better than I did before. We do have fairly complete credits now, and we can say that those are indeed synthesized horns, which still surprises me. <laughs> right. Well, people are working all the time to make it better. Yeah. Recording is just really amazing these days. So overall, I really like this EP. I, I like this EP better than Zoom In and Zoom Out by quite a bit. Yeah, it's good. It's got interesting songs. An interesting choice of styles, because it, it does kind of change from song to song. Yes, you know, change the world is is more or less your pretty standard traditional mid tempo pop rock song from Ringo. Yes, it, it is with some interesting changes, as you note. But the style is what we've come to expect from Ringo, and, and the lyrics are certainly what we've come to expect from Ringo. Right. I, I don't know that he's farming new ground exactly, but he's not really trying to. Right. But the choices he's making are entertaining, and, and that's good. It's fun to listen to. So the second track is Just That Way, which is kind of a reggae song. Yes, it, it is a reggae song, a pop reggae song. And it's nice. It's not going to be to everyone's taste, but it's very much the sort of reggae that Ringo likes. Yeah, it's not edgy at all. It's very M-O-R. <laughs> Although it's kind of Bob Marley. There's a bit of that in there. Yeah. And there's a Hammond B3 in there, so you, you gotta love that. <laughs> right. The background singers may be up a little bit more than I would have done, but Ringo's doing that these days. Is that Bruce Sugar? Bruce Sugar produced or co-produced everything here. The other thing is, even more than Change the World, this is heavy auto-tune. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Again, that bothers me more than it bothers you. Even so, it doesn't bother me too much here. Fair. Okay, so the third track is a country track. Kind of a country track. I felt like it was kind of a blend of country and uh, there's a New Orleans feel to it. Now here, these are real horns. Right. Uh, although uh, apparently the horns in just that way are real horns as well because they do have Bruce listed as a horn arranger. Yeah, I don't know how accurate that term has to be. Yeah, it could be he arranged the fake horns. Right, he arranged what appears to be horns, and that's what you would recognize them as, but they're not necessarily horns. 
Uh, is Linda Perry someone you ever really saw Ringo collaborating with? You know, Four Non Blondes is not really Ringo territory, or, or I wouldn't have guessed so. She does Kink and Christian Aguilera. I mean, she's a good songwriter, uh, knows what commercial is, and I'm sure she, she had a great time. And on this one, I thought, oh, we need someone else. And I don't know, in some conversation, uh, Linda Perry came up, I mean, mainly with her work with Pink, though she's worked with a lot of people. And we called, hello, Linda, have you got a song? And uh, she said, no. But as she was leaving her studio, <laughs> this is her story, as she was closing the door, a song came to her, she opened, went in the studio and, you know, it's like everything I'm saying, I'm repeating myself now. She's playing tambourine. No, she's not. I'm playing tambourine. She's playing a tap in the guitar. She's playing bass. She's playing rhythm. And she's singing along with me. I mean, she's part of it. And, you know, it's so great for me to, to have that support. So I got to, to know someone else in the business who's beautiful and Linda Perry is. So it's like using people that, I had never worked with before and asking them for a song and what they could put on it for me and do it. I would actually like to see them try and get this thing out in the country charts. Not that they will, but it would have a chance. It sounds country. I don't know what is playing on country radio. It kind of goes through phases as well. These days, it's Brandon Lambert and that kind of country. And it wasn't that long ago that Taylor Swift was country. <laughs> this is true. She and Beyonce could take over the planet. <laughs> we don't know what their plans are. <laughs> <laughs> they may have already started their ascent. Bankrolled by Jay-Z. These horns are great. Trombone Shorty, you, you mentioned the, the New Orleans style, and that's exactly what they did. Yeah, sounds like a band from New Orleans. It's a nice blend, because when that comes in, it changes from being... A country tune, you know, straight country tune. If they would have continued on, that's what it would have been. But the the horn takes it in a different place. A little bit like that Sundown uh, Playboys <laughs> track we had last week. Just a little bit. It's, it's certainly a lot less Zydeco than that. <laughs> yeah. But the horn and the horn arrangement, anyone from New Orleans is going to do something vaguely in that style. I like it. It's great. Yeah. Good song. And there is almost no autotune that I can tell on here. There may be a touch at the beginning, but I think since Ringo's singing the duet, he just turned the dial as low as he possibly could, which I prefer. Yeah, I, I don't really hear it. It's not heavy at all. That's what I'm saying. You know, this one very much just sort of sounds like Ringo singing in his more or less natural voice. Yeah. There aren't these massive effects, or there aren't really any effects. I guess there's a little bit of echo on there, but there's always been a little bit of reverb on Ringo's vocals. They, they sweeten them that way. Yeah. You know, people have said, well, Ringo doesn't have a great voice, but I'm thinking at 80 years old, he has a great voice. <laughs> you compare him and Paul, there's a race between the two of them. <laughs> Paul has more range, but he can't hit those notes. Right. Then there's the last song, uh, Rock Around the Clock, which Ringo had previously played on. And, and in the Rick Rubin interview, he does mention that he remembers playing on uh, Harry Nilsson's version of Rock Around the Clock, which I thought was kind of cool. Yeah. I was going to say, this one it, it seems driven by Joe Walsh. 
Pretty much. But with regards to the Nelson version, the way he, he puts it is Mooney was out of it by the time they started. So they did like one take with, with Moon and then they just sent him home. <laughs> well, my understanding of those sessions were everybody should have gone home. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but Ringo's having lots of fun singing it. Yeah. I won't say it's a great vocal, but it's a pretty good one. The original is in a higher key, which makes it a little bit more exciting. This is in a very comfortable key for Ringo, and it's a good version. We're going to move on from here uh, in a minute and talk about some of the other classic songs from Ringo's youth. There are certain bits and pieces that he does come back to across all of these covers that you'll recognize. You listen to Rock Around the Clock right. and you start listening to some of these other songs. And one of them is the key change, as you note. Yeah. But yeah, Joe Walsh, the guitar. And Ringo loves having his guitar player there, whether it's George or Eric Clapton or now his brother-in-law-in-law. Joe is married to Barbara's sister. I'm going to my uh, brother-in-law's birthday party. Unfortunately, it's in France. That's okay, though. You go with your wife. You know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's a good and, thing, man. And, and Ringo's wife. Oh, the wow. That's the unbeautiful. Box sisters. That's beautiful, man. The box sisters. Wow, thank you. Okay. You have a safe ladder, right? Well, you're right about the guitar players. You know, before Joe, it was Theo Frampton. When was the first time you heard Rock Around the Clock, the original? You know, I don't know that I can tell you. I know that when it was used for Happy Days. That was exactly what I was going to say. That that was the first time I noticed it. And, and, you know, I was just a little kid at that point. But the first season of Happy Days, for those of, the, those of you out there who go, that's not the theme song of Happy Days. Sunday, Monday, Happy Days. Tuesday, Wednesday, Happy Days. Thursday, Friday, Happy Days. Well, the first season it was. Yeah, it was. But when it was used for that, I was familiar with the song. It wasn't like I'd never heard the song before. So I guess as you go through, you hear stuff. And radio back then was much less niched. You heard everything. Both Ringo and John talk about when the film Rock Around the Clock came out, the, the deal was that that song just sort of brought out the frenzy in these kids and they started ripping up the theater seats. It's like, wow. I think the movie was actually called Blackboard Jungle. And that song was the prominent song. And, you know, rock and roll is so new at that point. It brought the hormones of these kids up. <laughs> it did. It was just a version of the punk scene. Once the kids kind of felt like that rock and roll meant this freedom to kind of do what you wanted, then they just took it to the limit. And besides Bill Haley blew me away, they ripped up the cinema. They pulled the seats out. They were throwing them at the screen. They were just rock and roll crazy. And I thought... And again, it's the case of Ringo actually being the hard man and John not... That's good. <laughs> <laughs> He actually witnessed the theater seats getting sliced up, sliced up yeah. while the film was playing, yeah. 
And John's version of the story was, uh, you know, once the film had actually come into Liverpool, he'd heard about all this excitement and all this, and he went and it's like, nothing happened. <laughs> you know, Ringo grew up in a tougher side of town than John did. Yeah, so that was Rock Around the Clock. I wonder how many kids actually know this song. Not that many kids are going to be listening to the CP. It's fun. It's a nice cover. And that sort of got us thinking about some of the other covers that Ringo's done through the years from his youth. If you're just sort of looking for an overview of, of Ringo's career, this isn't a bad way to get through it. Because, <laughs> you know, all of a lot of his different producers and a lot of his different styles are represented here in these covers. And there's actually even a couple of hits in here. He has yet to do an album worth. I want to see him do the country album first, but I wouldn't mind seeing him do not a great American song, but an early rock and roll album. In the list that we're going to cover, to me, I can hear the songs that he's invested in. Some of them are kind of easygoing versions of some of these songs, but he's invested definitely in several. A fair number of them, actually. Yes. You know, you, you can tell what he likes. And then the other thing we must point out is uh, we're not including anything off of Sentimental Journey or Buku Blues. Right. Those are tracks that he is familiar with and, and that he did from his very young youth. Yes, and those albums are sort of connected with Apple in a way. I mean, it was kind of those albums stand apart from his later post-Beatles recording career. The album Bad Boy, that uh, <laughs> uh, it earns its reputation, shall we say. <laughs> right. <laughs> Ringo was fully in the bottle at that period of time. <laughs> right. Listening to this song again actually made me go down the rabbit hole of the original group who did this song, which was the Jive Bobbers. And, you know, there's an affectation on the voice, and it turns out that's their style. I listened to three or four records, and I was very entertained. I hadn't really heard them. Al Sears was the original version of this song. The, the hit if you want to call it a hit, was the Jive Bombers. Just a little update and clarification. According to our friends over at Wikipedia, Little Harden Armstrong originally wrote this song as Brown Gal and recorded it for Decca Records in 1936. Clarence Palmer, the lead singer of the Jive Bombers, had also recorded the song earlier in December 1949 as Brown Boy on Decca's Coral Records subsidiary. Billed as Al Sears and the Sparrows, the Jive Bombers version was then released in 1957. What everyone remembers about the song is, is the sort of weird affectation, the the, the bad boy yo 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 yo. You need five more yois. <laughs> I guess that would be pre doop. I guess you know it it has kind of an oh darling feel to it. Well, I mean, Paul's always said that oh darling is kind of a 50s homage. Yes, so. That was during the time that he was with Vinnie Poncia, and, well, you can hear it. Right. Vinnie Poncia, who refers to the Vinnie Poncia Peking Duck Orchestra and Peking Duck Chorus. <laughs> Peking spelled P-E-A-K-I-N-G. <laughs> right. But I like this. It's okay. It's better than I remembered it to be. Yeah. <laughs> right. It's quirky. It's still not my favorite song. It's probably somewhere towards the bottom of this list, of this. but it's... <laughs> It's listenable. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. It's actually one of the better songs on the Bad Boy album. <laughs> well, for me, it was just so 
so quirky that I thought, well, that's interesting. <laughs> it, it was interesting. That's that's good. We skip forward to uh, 2012. Ringo did a cover of Rock Island Line. That's one of the few songs that all of the solo Beatles have done a version of, not a studio version, but have done a version of through the years. Right. It's not the rapid fire skiffle version of the song. When the train goes through the toll gate, picks up a little bit of steam and a little bit of speed. And when the driver, he thinks he's safely on the other side, he shouts back down the line to the man. He says, I fooled you, I fooled you, I got pig iron, I got pig iron, I got all pig iron. And I'll tell you where I'm going, boy. More straightforward. They had a good band. <laughs> he sang some different lyrics. He, the, the lyrics were used to thinking of the train lyrics, you know. Right. Well, it's got Edgar Winter on it. And Don Was. Ben Muttenge. Kenny Wayne Shepherd. Yeah. This was fairly early on in his collaboration with Bruce Sugar. Yeah. A name who is going to come up frequently. <laughs> right up until now. Well, rock around the clock. I guess it's more like the Lead Belly version. I guess. A, B, C, double, X, Y, Z. That's in the cupboard, but they don't see me. Or the rock on the line, it's a mighty good road. Or the rock on the line, it's a road to ride. Or the rock on the line, it's a mighty good road. If you want to ride, you got to ride it like you find it. Get your ticket at the station on the rock on the line. We as Beatle people are more familiar with is the Lonnie Donegan cover. Yeah. And that was one of the songs which actually sort of started Skiffle. According to all the biographies, yes, that's that's the one. It was a hit single, and it was something that all the kids of that era would have heard. And the BBC actually played it, as as I remember. Yeah. So, you know, it, it fit within whatever strictures the BBC had about, well, it's okay, it's not too rock and roll. You know, Rock Out of Line had a connection with folk, which is big in America and in Britain. So, you know, it tied into that. Well, Lead Belly, I mean, which, of course, brings us back around to McCarty 3 and, and McCarty talking about how he was reading the Lead Belly biography when he was writing some of McCartney 3, but connections. So next, uh, let's move on to uh, to Don't Be Cruel from 1992. It was on the Way to the World single. It was also on the Japanese version of the album. I love this version. Do you? You wouldn't think that Ringo could necessarily do Elvis, and he's not, but the backing is just spot on yeah it's a clever arrangement and jeff lynn doesn't overdo the jeff lynn stuff right it is how i would want ringo to sort of treat any of this material you get an arrangement which is more or less like the original but kind of sped up or slow down and then accommodated to his key and then you just take it and just 
push it forward. Right. It's very straightforward. There's nothing too special about it if you've heard the original, but it's it is nice to have Ringo singing it. And it's obvious how much he loves the tune. Yeah. As opposed to there's another Elvis song that we're going to get to towards the end here. That one, he's kind of taking the Mickey out of it a little bit. Well, it's hard to do that song and not do it that way. <laughs> and that's also sort of a rarity. It's on YouTube, but it's one worth trying to find either the single or the foreign pressing of the CD. Just because it's nice to have. Good record. Next is one of the ones that the Beatles had done, the Carl Perkins song, Sure to Fall. You know, this is different in that one of the things that was so uh, special about the Beatles version was the duet. And Ringo isn't duetting with anybody. The songs sound different. Well, and it sounds very different than the Carl Perkins version as well. <laughs> right. You know, Ringo is singing it as a hardcore country song here. Yes. This was one of the songs in the the Cooler video, I believe. You know, Paul and Linda and Ringo had produced basically three music videos put together. Right. Barbara gets to play a, a dominatrix and Ringo <laughs> is the prisoner. And we won't say what that means about their personal life. Paul and Linda actually show up in the clip. And Sure to Fall is one of the songs that they actually do in this, I guess they're calling it a short film because it actually won, uh, I, I, it won an award. He has it on the wall in his office, as they say in Hard Days Night. For the cooler. For the cooler, yeah. yeah. And and I don't know if we mentioned it, but, but this song is produced by Paul. Yeah. This is Stop and Smell the Roses. This is what it evolved from the Can't Fight Lightning album. Right. And the backing band here is largely the last version of Wings, to a certain extent. The Wings, Lawrence Juber's on it. With his name mangled. Uh, on the original, I believe he is credited as Lawrence, L-A-W-R-E-N-C-E, Tuber, T-U-B-E-R. <laughs> now, granted, the, the label wasn't real happy with Ringo at the time. And right. the label itself was in kind of a disarray. <laughs> yes. But it's like... Couldn't anybody go and check the credits? This is a guy who's been with Paul McCartney for at least a couple of years now. Yeah. Paul produced it. Paul plays the bass and the piano. Linda's on it. Old Beatle friend Howie Casey's on it, playing the sax. Right. Then Lloyd Schuber is playing the guitar. Lloyd Green is playing a pedal steel. That really sort of makes the sound of this cover of the song. Yeah, this is true. We were talking about... All Things Must Pass, and and how the pedal steel played into that. Here, this is much more of a sort of traditional pedal steel yes. part, I would say. And you hear it instantly, and it sounds like old-style country. Well, one of the things that happened for a while to Ringo's albums was that, you know, there was this sense of what the commercial sound was. And a lot of times, it took away from doing new things, and so there was just a, a reliance on a sound. Well, and some of that comes out of the producer. Yeah, sure. A lot of that comes out of the producer. I mean, you know, Vin, again, Vinnie Poncia. <laughs> right. But, you know, you got to figure that every one of those producers came to the project with their version of what Ringo was. You know, what is the Ringo style, the sound? Once we get to old wave where Ringo's starting to produce himself, you get something very different. Yeah. Now we're going to go to the controversial one. Last year on What's My Name, Ringo did a, another cover of Money. Well, uh, <laughs> <laughs> 
what is there to say about this? Well, uh, uh, I would say he's clearly trying to get it right. We'll do it one more time. He's trying to sort of do the Flying Lizards version rather than either the original or the Beatles version, which is good. I mean, if he's going to redo it, there's no point in redoing either one of those. Ringo is never going to have John Lennon's scream. This is one that I really found was auto-tuned to the nth degree. Well, he's using it as an effect here. You know, he's not really using it as auto-tune on his voice. He's doing it for the effect. And I think Joe Joe Walsh was kind of egging him on a little bit. (laughs) And they made a weird video for this with uh, Ringo sort of running around with random silent movie footage behind him. And it's like, what is this? The auto-tune is turned all the way up. And, you know, it it very much sort of has that share effect. Right. But it's intentional. Well, one would think, yes. But it doesn't make the song better in my my feeling. Ultimately, I think this just kind of pointless. <laughs> and on this, top this, of that, it's pointless. <laughs> this is one of the covers that I could do without. You know, Bad Boy, it's not my favorite, but, you know, great. It's on this list. Listen to it. Money, skip it. Yeah. It was an evening in the studio. They liked the results, but I don't know who else might like these results. Yeah, and there, there has to be a song that's at the bottom. Uh, absolutely. So, so next is another song which is uh, a Beatle associated and and actually associated with musicians here in the area. That's "Hey Baby." It's the Bruce Chanel tune. Right. It's a big production. It got tons of people on it. Doctor John. And this is one of the ones that people will have heard. I mean, you know, as much airplay as Ringo gets, this is one that comes on the Beatles channel and even sort of randomly pops up into things. Yeah. Well, it kind of fits him. You know, it's a good choice of a song for him. Although he doesn't have somebody doing the harmonica. The original, the harmonica, is the selling point of the song almost. I've heard Love Me Do without the harmonica, you know, and that was Bruce's thing. Albert McClinton was the harmonica. Oh, that's right. That's right. I don't miss it. The famous story there is that they were on tour with the Beatles, and Delbert McClinton apparently taught John Lennon some of the the licks on the harmonica that then went into Love Me Do. Right. That was from the end of Ringo's first big era. That was on the Rotogravure album. Yes. And again, we talk about producers and arrangers. On the other side of Vinny Poncia, there's Arif Martin, who actually is a pretty brilliant guy, but he didn't necessarily fit Ringo all that well. Yeah, I I agree. It was a, a different production style. That's nothing against this version of Hey Baby, but it's like, in general, you listen to the Rutger of your album, it's like, eh. Yeah. The other thing about that, uh, uh, Lon Von Eaton is the guitar player on this track. We were talking last week about... About the brothers. They ended up on A&M, and then they also sort of guested with Ringo on Rutger of your and a couple of other places. Yeah. Then we move back to Ringo 2012, uh, what do you think of Ringo's cover of Think It Over, the Buddy Holly tune? It's okay. I like it a little bit more than you do, I think. The auto-tune starts to come in a little bit on Ringo's voice, but I like the arrangement. Yeah, it's, it's not too different from the original, but there's also enough unique bits and pieces in there that it works. That was 2012? Yeah, Ringo, Ringo 2012. 
and that's the same bunch. Uh, Steve Dudas and, and Bruce Sugar were playing on it and, and were producing. Yeah. One of the things about Ringo is he's had different producers and he's had different guitar styles. People bring something to him. These days, it seems very relationship-oriented, like his relationship with Steve Luthiker right now, Peter Frampton for a while. Whoever might be around, yep. Okay, so next is from the Old Wave album. That was a really sad period in Ringo's career. He couldn't get his records released in the States. Yeah. I only bring this up because I didn't get Old Wave until I actually took a trip to Canada. And I bought this 12-inch vinyl LP, shoved it in my luggage. <laughs> the Canadian version of Old Way. Because it was released in Canada. <laughs> this was before you could just go on the internet and buy it. Yeah. And, you know, I went to the record stores. Can you import this for me? No. <laughs> okay. So, I mean, you know, it wasn't until a year, a year and a half later. I think it was a school trip or something. We ended up in Canada, and on a free afternoon, it's like, oh, I'm going to the record store, <laughs> and they had it. That's great. That's why I'm always like, the internet is just so incredible. The fact that there were a, a few songs that you talked about before we did this show that I hadn't heard, and, and it was just like, okay, well, like, we could go look it up, and it's there. I didn't have to go searching at a record store or... I'm sure Old Wave is not on Apple Music or on Spotify, but right there, you go onto YouTube, there's the album. There it is, yeah. The Capitol re-release CD of it is actually fairly rare and worth a bit of cash. Some of those Ringo CDs, when Ringo went back to Capitol and they reissued basically everything, are in the hundreds of dollars a piece. And it's like, nobody wanted this disc, and well, okay. <laughs> I'm glad I have my copies. <laughs> Right. Now it's worth something.
the song is one that I wasn't real familiar with, but I like it. It's a very cool little song. It's a it's a Lieber and Stoller song from uh, 1962 called "I Keep Forgetting." Yeah, that was that was an interesting listen. It's more of an R and B tune than a rock tune. Yes, and Ringo puts ever so slightly uh, a bit of menace into his lead vocal. Yeah. This one is uh, definitely one of the better records that Ringo's done, I think. That nobody's ever heard. Right. But isn't that the way it works? It's a great song. It surprises me that it got no notice the first time around with Libra and Stoller. And then here's Ringo, who obviously heard it somewhere and remembered it, who does a great version of it, and still nobody knows about it. Right. If I was putting together a mix of the songs that would be Ringo's rock and roll, this would be high on the list. And playing on it, you got Joe Walsh, Russ Conkle, Gary Brooker. I mean, that's the other thing. Ringo's not playing the drums on it. He put all of his effort into that lead vocal, I think. Yeah. I wonder if the Beatles have played it. That may have even been something that that Rory Storm and the Hurricanes might have done. It could be. They're all looking for songs. Great song, good record. I give it a 10. It deserves that, Ted. (laughs) <laughs> uh, next is the the 1952 song you belong to me another one from stop and smell the roses <laughs> yeah it's okay yeah see the pyramids along the Nile watch the sunrise on a tropic isle just remember darling all the while you belong to me the opening line about along the Nile. It's just like, oh my gosh. A number of people done this song. It's a very familiar and popular melody. It's almost like a Broadway type of song. Yeah. But it was apparently George's suggestion that Ringo do this song. <laughs> That's interesting. I can see that. And George is playing the guitar on there. You know, it's it's okay. You know, I put it somewhere in the bottom half, but not towards the very bottom of this list. Right. It's one of the middle songs. So next we come along to what was genuinely a hit, You're 16, by the Sherman Brothers, Richard and Robert. Right. Johnny Burnett did the original in 1960. Yeah, I think that the world has changed. (laughs) You know, Ringo has decided he's not going to do it anymore. And... (laughs) Right. Although it wouldn't take much of a change to make it acceptable. You just make it, we're 16, you're beautiful in your mind, and that works. <laughs> yeah, you can suggest that. My son heard this, I was like, what, how old was he then? <laughs> Different world. There's always, she was just 17, so... And there's always that, for sure. The thing about the Sherman Brothers, they were the Disney songwriters. <laughs> they wrote Supercalifragilistic, and they wrote It's a Small World. So we have them to blame for that. <laughs> yeah, I guess they were into earworm music. And then Ringo and poor Carrie Fisher in the Ogner special. I'm not sure I remember that. Ringo is Ogner and the TV show. 
It's on April the 26th. Nine o'clock on your dial. Alright. That's the plug out the way. Carrie Fisher, who's playing Ogner's girlfriend, and, and they're at the malt shop. <laughs> that was within a year of Carrie Fisher doing Princess Leia and doing Blues Brothers. <laughs> it's the one time you get to see Carrie Fisher playing the sweet, innocent, virginal character. <laughs> That's great. Of course, you're my girlfriend, Mark Eaton. <sighs> Ogner. Well, it's also, you know, one of the few hits on the radio with a, a nose flute lead. <laughs> Yep, you got Paul doing his his Lady Madonna, his his mouth kazoo type thing. Yeah, or or as they credit him on the uh, the sleeve notes, the vocal sax solo. <laughs> yeah. Now that was produced by Richard Perry. He did the whole album, I think. Yeah, I think so. Uh, Harry had basically handed him off to Ringo. Yeah, and Harry's on this one, as a matter of fact. Harry's doing the backups. Yeah. on here. The next is only you. Uh, off of the Goodnight Vienna album, which was another hit. Another hit? Sort of. Ringo was short one song, and John says, well, I've been saving this one for myself, but I think you, you could use this one, and it'd be a good song for you to do. Only you. And it was great watching it, because there's Ringo and, and Jim Kelton playing drums, and John did the lead vocal, and then, which Ringo later overdubbed. Oh, okay, so now you bet. Yeah, this had a, a bunch of people, including John Lennon on the acoustic. And Harry's in there, too. Right. Steve Cropper, I think, is played on it. Speaking of the Blues Brothers. <laughs> right. This is real cool. I always thought it was kind of funny that right around the time that this was cut, John cut uh, Stand By Me, and they start the same way. Look for the music video. Ringo and Harry are having fun. <laughs> I'll do that. The original was done by the Platters in 1955. Yeah. Which is also a great record. It is. And this is cool because this arrangement is so different and works so well. The two versions stand alone. The last of these sort of regular tunes, we got a couple of special tunes that you, you may or may not want to listen to right now. <laughs> Ringo did a cover of When You Wish Upon a Star. You know, we've been talking about Disney, and of course Disney is now taking over Beatle World with the Get Back coming out in, uh, (laughs) well, just about six weeks from now. Everybody is owned by somebody. Ringo and Herb Albert did a cover of When You Wish Upon a Star. And again, Ringo's singing very well. It's a good cover. Yeah. And to let you know know, what it sounds like, it would have fit totally perfectly on Sentimental Journey. It's slightly less schmaltzy than the Sentimental Journey covers, I think, although they vary greatly in style. I don't know. I think the approach to the music is, was somewhat similar. The difference being songs that were cut in 1970 and songs that were cut in 1988. So uh, Ringo has not released this. The only place it's appeared is on uh, an album called Stay Awake, Various interpretations of music from vintage Disney films. Yeah. You got Van Dyke Parks, 
who who did co-producing on this. You had Jim Keltner playing the drums, and then you had Herb Alpert on there. It's like, how can you go wrong with that combination? <laughs> so Van Dyke was on this particular song? No, if he plays on it, he, and he certainly co-produced this version, this track. Ah, cool. And Harry Nilsson is credited as whistling. Of course, you know, we're, we're getting towards the end of Harry's life here. Yeah. He couldn't sing anymore at that point. Yeah. But he's there. You know, he's lending Ringo some support. <laughs> right. But he's in pals. <laughs> so then we've got three more. These are all off of Ringo's Christmas album, I Want to Be Santa Claus, from, from 1999. Right. You know, it is a truth of the music business that Christmas music sells. And so... It seems like everybody cuts a Christmas album. Sooner or later, yeah. if you're not familiar with Ringo's Mark Hudson era, uh, Mark Hudson is all over these three tracks. Yeah. You know, uh, it. a lot of times we like to say you can't overdo the Beatle thing. I think Mark Hudson with Ringo proves that it is possible <laughs> to overdo the Beatle thing. <laughs> yeah. Part of this is, what do you as a producer bring to this? What is your vision of what Ringo is? And clearly, Mark Hudson... Listen to Little Help one too many times. <laughs> right. You know, I'm working with the Beatles, so we're going to try to make some Beatle music. So the three tracks off of the album, uh, Ringo actually does some original Christmas music, and, you know, it's pleasant enough. Yes. It's an album you can put on in December, and okay, fine. He does a, a version of Christmas Time is Here Again. Although he changes the lyrics a little bit, you noted. Oh, uh, yes. But, you know, he's credited as a composer, so if he wants to change the lyrics, no problem. George did not co-write In My Life, and he changed the lyrics. <laughs> right. And there's sitars and various other things in, in tracks on this album. Anyway, that's not why we're here. Ringo did a couple of oldies on the record, the first of which, White Christmas, you know, the Bing Crosby song. Right. Kind of a reggae version. It's still fairly faithful to the original, I think. Well, what, what would you say is the original? Irving Berlin, Bing Crosby? Well, the Bing Crosby one. Uh, yeah, Irving Berlin wrote the tune, so. Yeah, I don't think there's any reggae in Bing Crosby's version. <laughs> Anyone who's ever heard Bing Crosby's cover of Hey Jude. Hey, There's a lot of things you can say about Bing. Uh, <laughs> soul is pretty far down the list. Yeah. Not to mention Little Drummer Boy with uh, <laughs> Bowie. <laughs> Bowie. So yeah. I'm a big Bing Crosby fan, so I, I get it. He's got a great voice, but I think I would take, uh, well, Frank any day. 
No. Being in his sweaters. Well, okay. Uh, and what always makes me laugh uh, when listening to this tune is is Ringo going off on the colors. Blue. Baby pink. Oh, that's a little cerise. The next up, Ringo did Rudolph. Didn't Paul do uh, Rudolph on the B side of uh, Wonderful Christmas Time? Rudolph the Red Nosed Reggae. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Although Paul didn't sing it. Ringo actually sings it here. Yeah. That's so much a part of all of our childhoods and all of our Christmases. It's hard to believe that we're looking at something that's really less than 100 years old, the character of Rudolph. Yeah. Gene Autry sang that. And uh, big hit. And Ringo's version is very much a pop version of Rudolph. You know, it sounds like something out of the 60s. <laughs> right. It sounds like something that might have shown up on a Beatles Christmas record. <laughs> yeah, perhaps. It was, uh, it's a version. <laughs> I mean, you know, he plays with good musicians and professional people. So it sounds good. And he sings it okay, you know, so it's good, but it's not outstanding in any way. Then the last one we want to talk about, we talked about on Elvis track. Here's Ringo doing another one, uh, Blue Christmas. Right. I think he does a better Elvis here. I always thought this was an Elvis tune. I didn't know that it actually predated Elvis, that it was written in 48. He is definitely more trying to do the Elvis voice than on Don't Be Cruel. On Don't Be Cruel, he's singing like Ringo. Like Ringo, yeah. And it's not mocking. No, 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 not at all. It's not going down to gold as green. <laughs> or name an address. He was having fun. And so there's a playlist. Yeah, check it out. Some of it was new to me. And it was fun. So I would recommend checking out that playlist. And the EP, you know, I'm actually going to give it a B plus I, I zoom in, zoom in, zoom out. I, I gave a, a B or a B minus. This is a, to me at least a stronger EP. Yeah. I like it. If he does what he said he's going to do and do four more and put out an album, it won't be a bad album. Those 12 tracks together. Yeah. It'll be your typical Ringo album. It has some highs and some lows and some, some pieces you may or may not want to listen to, but it's going to be for a Ringo album. You know, there's always that caveat. It'll, it'll be a good record. Yeah. You know, the Ringo's records, for the most part, all along, you know, there's things about them that were good. It's just that there's so much music out there that it has to do something that really affects you. And I think some of what he puts out is just like, well, that's a good version of a song, but it doesn't really you know, excite you. That's this week. Uh, so, so we figured out we've got, uh, what, one or two more weeks before we actually are going to be able to get into the, uh, let it be box. Again, that's what we're all just sort of chomping at the bit to get to as fast as we possibly can. <laughs> right. And everything we've heard gives us reason to, to say, this is going to be good. Uh, and this is going to be more significant in a lot of different ways than even the Abbey Road box or the, the White Album box. The, the Pepper box is hard to beat in terms of significance, I think. Yes. I mean, it's, you know, you, you have the original mixes, you have the pieces. 
and you have the Giles mix and and all of those, you know, while you have those for both the Wide Album and Abbey Road, it feels more of a piece, I think. I think that's probably the most significant of the Beatles boxes to date. But we'll see. Is Let It Be going to beat it or not? Yeah. That's the question. (laughs) All right. Very good. So we'll be back next week as we draw a week closer to to that momentous date and of course the the date which follows the uh, premiere of get back on the disney channel disney plus yeah, uh, yeah. tell you the truth is uh the get back thing has me more excited than i've been for ages you know because you, know, you might see things but if you've been a collector or watcher or great fan of the group for a while you've seen most of the stuff you might see stuff every once in a while that you haven't seen clips or whatever but this is like six hours (laughs) yeah and and it's not gonna be six hours of stuff that we've never seen before i mean we've got a couple of hours but certainly in this quality and restored the way that Peter Jackson, the loving care that Peter Jackson puts into his restorations. That's just going to be eye opening and mouth watering. Yeah. The most irritating thing in the world is to be really listening to them do something and have a a camera slate right over what's going on. We'll see. And then we will talk about it (laughs) for at least, you know, five or six weeks, maybe more if, uh, if it's as good as we hope it is. For sure. Here's a show on the first 20 minutes of <laughs> the first episode of. Well, I hope we don't, you know, talk about Mal bringing in the drum head for 20 minutes. <laughs> well, all right. Very good. We'll be back next week. All right. See you then. Subscribe to When They Was Fab on iTunes, Podbean, Stitcher, or wherever finer podcasts are found. Please join our Facebook group, and we could be reached at When They Was Fab and on Gmail. The opening theme was written, produced, and recorded by Jay Young Kim, Beaster Famine Studios, San Francisco, California. Haley, you know, it's a long story I'm trying to shorten because I had my 14th birthday in hospital. I was still in hospital and it was coming up to my 15th birthday and I didn't want to be there for my 15th. And so my mother talked to the doctors. I had TB and I was getting better now. I'd been there 11 months um, and let me uh, leave the hospital. And so my grandparents took me to this island off England, the Isle of Man. And it's a bit like Rock and roll, always has been. Mm-hmm. Like, kiss me quick, hats, and the lads and the girls, you know. It's just <laughs> really a cool place. And, uh, and they took me to see uh, Rock Around the Clock, the movie. And, it, you know, it, it opens up and Bill goes, we're going to rock around the clock. And the whole audience ripped the cinema apart. It was like they just ripped it up and threw it everywhere. I said, that's rock and roll. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I thought, man, you know, I just got out of bed after all <laughs>
11 months and these guys are ripping the place up. This is for me. You know, so that's... Uh, that's and I was just sitting around and thinking... And I don't know, you know, sometimes thoughts just come up and somehow Bill Ailey came into my head and I thought, I'm going to do Rock Around the Clock. And we have a great guitarist, Joe Walsh. Uh, yeah, I've heard of him. He's, uh, he's your brother-in-law, right? He's yeah. a brother-in-law. <laughs> I like to say he can't say no yeah. in the family. <laughs> it's, good, it's good to have a talented brother-in-law. Yeah. So well, there it is. I mean, that's, uh, that's this year's model. Well, this is the... I tell you what, this is the biggest news in cassettes um, of the, probably the decade. <laughs> Ringo Starr changed the world. Free. I tell you one thing, there's sickness going on and there's some good people doing work in hospitals, but they got no bread to do it on. Not only are they working in a miserable condition with sick people, but they're, they're scraping the barrel for funds to keep going.